Good morning, everyone. I'm Don, Don Rogers, and what a joy it is to be with you today, uh, also with my family. So, Amy, can you, can you wave? She's right here in the middle. Nathaniel, can you stand up? <laughs> stand up. There we go, my 13-year-old, uh, 12-year-old, turns 13, a couple months, and Joshua. Joshua's got to stand up there, buddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. Why is, that, why is this somewhat significant is because uh, Joshua, we, Amy and I were part of this church, and so this is the platform that we dedicated him to the Lord after he was born. In fact, out of any church that Amy and I are connected with, this one, we have a long history. This is the church that prayed for me over 25 years ago when I went to Africa for the very first time. This is the church that after five years of coming and going, volunteering there in Africa, that the pastor uh, and the leadership here said, Don, what God's doing, this is bigger than our church. And we've got a little library back here. I think it's still back there, right? Behind. <laughs> said, look, use that as your international office. They helped register. This church helped birth this organization. And not only that, as I was starting Empowering Lives, believe me, I needed help. And uh, so I'm thanking God that the pastor at that time brought in a new, new associate, and uh, that's my wife, Amy. <laughs> and it was on this place where we announced our engagement, wasn't it, honey? I embarrassed her so much that day. <laughs> I'm sure she still remembers. But uh, wow, what an amazing family this is. And you still pray for us. You still support us. And the things that I'm going to share today and that we're going to share together, you're a part of this. Please understand that, that we are God's workmanship together, created in Christ Jesus together to do good works that God has had in mind for us all along. In fact, that is Ephesians 2.10. And I'd like for us to really think about that, uh, uh, the power of that verse, because it, it has those components. It has our identity that we are his workmanship. It has our authority that we are created in Christ Jesus. And it has our mission to do good works that God has had in mind for us all along. We are his workmanship. That means there's no mistake. There's different things that people can say to us when we're growing up. You know, some people try and pull the rug out from under us with their comments or different things they might do. I remember high school, P.E., standing on my spot and the P.E. coach saying, Hey, Rogers, yes, sir, what are those strings hanging out of your shorts? I'm not seeing any strings, sir. He goes, oh, sorry, those must be your legs. I know, and that's the teacher. <laughs> what about the other guys in the class? So guess what I got called for a couple months? Thank you. <laughs> Bring back some very painful memories. But listen, the reality is there are things. Now, what I shared with you is humorous, but I'm sure in many of our lives, probably all of us, there are things that people have said or done, isn't it? But the enemy wanted to do everything possible to defeat us, to discourage us, to block our way. But how exciting to know, listen, friends, the truth is we are God's workmanship. There is no mistake. God put us together. 
He's designed us. And we come alive when we know Christ Jesus because that's our authority. In fact, I love how Jesus says that in Matthew, the end of the chapter there where he's with his disciples, the Great Commission, what it's called in Matthew 28. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. He promises never to leave us. He'll never forsake us. And in that, we could risk. Say, God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? Jesus, there is nothing more that is better to live for than for your glory and for your honor. And that's where we see him giving us his authority in various moments of life to accomplish what he wants. There is a lot of spiritual warfare But it's not just in Africa, friends. I remember here in in Garden Grove, when I was the youth pastor here at this place, was the first time that I I experienced how the enemy was trying to control a person, a gal in my youth group. As I was talking with her and began praying with her over some problems, demons manifested. I stopped praying. I said, we got to go see the pastor. Found the pastor. He happened to be here at the church. We went up to the office. I explained a little bit about what was going on. He says, oh, yeah, let's pray. Let's pray. He sit in this chair. He began praying. And afterwards, I mean, this, there was a battle that went on. I never experienced something like that. It opened my eyes to see that what Scripture says that when Jesus is talking about the spiritual forces is very, very real. And afterward, I remember the, talking to the pastor. I said, man. Wow, gee. And he goes, Don, that was, you know, to see the authority of Christ. He said, but I have to be honest with you, Don. He said, it was at, at, a, at a certain moment, it was all I could do to keep from laughing. Laughing? What could have possibly been funny? I was very serious. And he said, Don, he said, look, I was concentrating and praying and working, the, praying and praying. We were praying for that girl and casting those demons out. And then at one point, I glanced up at you because you were standing behind her. And, and I just saw you going like this. <laughs> Jesus has the victory. Jesus has the victory. Jesus has the victory. <laughs> but you know what's awesome about our God? He trains us. Because after that, there was times and dreams. I had these terrible dreams. But God began to equip me. Even in those dreams, I began to have courage to stand against darkness, rebuking the enemy, standing against him. It's different frightening dreams. I said, God, don't take these away. But I remember the night where, where there, there was this darkness that, that seemed to come against me. And I said, I know now that Jesus has all authority. And you're just trying to make me afraid. You're trying to make me defeated. But I know now Jesus has the authority. So I rebuke you and I stood in courage. And you know, within a couple months, I was in Tanzania. And that was the first encounter with a witch doctor. And I simply was sharing my faith with him in the marketplace. And he said, no, I can't, I can't accept this Jesus. 
If it means I have to leave this stuff, this is how I feed myself. Can I, I said, well, can I at least pray for you? He said, whatever. And as I closed my eyes and bowed my head and prayed that Rashidi would come to know the truth, I heard a strange noise, and when I opened my eyes, his jaw was vibrating, and there was foam coming out of his mouth. And it's, it's a long story, but friends, Jesus has authority. Praise the Lord. What a journey. What a God we have. But it's not just in those demonstrative things like that. Hey, it's in the small things, isn't it? Daily, moment-by-moment obedience. It's not complicated. It's just acknowledging, Jesus, I am your workmanship, created in you to do good works, which you have prepared in advance for me to do. Every day waking up and saying, Jesus, orchestrate my steps today for your glory. And step at a time. In Africa, we call it flashlight faith. Because we, some nights it's so dark without electricity and your flashlight's dim. You can't, you can't see. You, just, you can't see there. You just got to see here. You got to see where you're going. And it's only when you step into that that you can see where the next step is. Does that make sense? God leads us. He, he doesn't just do that to trick us. No, he wants us to follow him step by step. And as we do, he accomplishes great things for his glory. The mission, when we started ELI in 95, launched from this church, hasn't changed. We want to equip the poor to live sustainable lives that honor God. And inside of that, you see these different components. How do we want to do it? Equip them, not by giving handouts, but by giving knowledge and training to recognize the resources already around them so they can live a sustainable life. Our target is the poor and the suffering. And the ultimate goal is to see them have a life that honors God. The focus of who we are is through training and education now. And also God has opened the door for us to reach and empower orphans and vulnerable children. And here's where we've, we've started. Tanzania to start with. And you remember those stories. We used to do garage sales in that parking lot to start some of our first projects in Tanzania. But we've expanded now into Kenya, DR Congo, and South Sudan. And you might recognize this couple. We were married in Garden Grove. And that's Amy and I after you first sent us to Africa in 97. That was our first house. We stayed there about four years. And Joshua learned how to crawl on the, on the floor of that little hut. And that was our first training center. Simultaneously in that same year, we started a second training center two hours away in Kip Karen River. So that's our facility right there. That's where we stayed to begin with. But now if you can imagine, God has done something beyond that. We now have that hut in the upper left-hand corner, but there is multiple, multiple buildings that are now located there, including a wood shop, a dining hall, a training hall. Then in the center, you see this section. That's our children's home, orphanage. We're raising over 200 and we're raising 229 kids that didn't, don't have parents, but now they do because of Eli. Then the upper portion is the Brook of Faith Elementary School, where our kids and others from the community go. On the far right is where we have over 5,000 eucalyptus trees, 900 banana trees, fish pond, and um, raising cows and chickens to generate income 
so that we can also help sustain the ministry right there inside the country. You've seen Joshua there. Here he is. Our boys have grown up most of their life in East Africa. So that's Joshua and Timmy. And then the other picture is Joshua, and the far left is Timmy, the same boy as they've grown up. God has blessed me with an amazing uh, family, and we serve together. So as you pray for Don, you pray for Amy, you pray for Nathaniel, pray for Joshua. We serve together with our national friends. Eli is now 107 employees. 90% of them are nationals. They are gifted, godly people who know the language and the culture, who, who have a passion to empower their people. On the right, Samuel Tumuge, the founding director, with, along with myself in Kenya. In the yellow t-shirt, Stephen Reach, South Sudan. Next to him is Dennis, the training center manager at Ilula. And then Laban Rono, the director of one of our two orphanages. We also make friends. This man you will see on television here shortly, on November 1st. He's running to defend his title as the winner of the New York Marathon. Don't we usually hear that the Kenyans win? <laughs> well, they live 20 minutes from our training center, and I preached at a church there, and so happens, I didn't realize, I finished preaching, and the pastor said, Pastor Don, please, we have to pray for Wilson. I didn't know who Wilson was. And so Wilson came forward, and then I whispered, where, where is he going? He says, he's in the Olympics. Oh, yes, Wilson, that Wilson. Well, not only did he get the bronze in the Olympics, but he's gone on to break the marathon world record. And when, anyways, when, after the service, uh, Josh and I talked, and we, we just asked Wilson, hey, can you race? Can we have a little race here? I think Josh won. <laughs> I can't remember the details. But listen, God has opened a door for us that I must share that is, is so exciting because there is a tremendous problem in East Africa. Because of poverty, tens of thousands of women take their food, their corn, they ferment it, and they make a very dangerous alcohol. Samuel and I have prayed about what to do. They brew it there, and they turn their own home into a brewing den because that's where they invite the customers to come and drink. So imagine yourself being a mom who gets up early to brew this dangerous and illegal alcohol. 6 a.m. is when your customers start coming and drinking and passing out on your floor, on your couch. You can't tell them to leave. They're your customers until late into the night. Your children grow up detesting this business, and some of them resent you. And when they get old enough, countless stories of children leaving the home and resenting their moms when she was just trying to put food on the table. Dads oftentimes are away farming or doing other business, become addicted to the drink. It's called chang'a, which literally translated means kill me quick. One of our staff visited this brewing den. Nothing about this is staged. It is exactly what happened as he just got in there with his camera, with the hands reaching out for their cup. All those people hoping within a short time to be forgetting about their problems, their misery, but without hope in Christ. You find the youth, the men, it doesn't matter what age, people are losing direction. But God opened a door for us 
as we found out some women who wanted to come for change. They wanted to, to come to learn new ideas. And so we invited them to come. The chief called us. He said, I have 47 women who want to come. We said, we have 30 beds. On that Monday night, 47 showed up. We told them, we don't have room for all of you. They said, we will sleep on the floor. Don't send us away. And on that Tuesday, as we shared the gospel message and said, if you want to know Christ, then stand up. Let's pray. And all of them gave their lives to Christ. And this was repeated now because when those women went home, others saw the change and said, we need that too. The next month, we trained 53. Then the following month, 82. The following month, 91. And it's continued to see this momentum. Why is this significant? Because when you help a home change, it empowers the children. Do you see that? These kids no longer are growing up in a brewing den. Their mom is now raising chickens or baking or a restaurant or some positive business. So it literally changes the destination of the next generations to come. And over 90% of the over 250 women now that we've trained in the last two years, over 90% have accepted Christ during the five-day training. And over 93% of them have never gone back to brewing. In fact, the recent one that our family was at this last summer, I videotaped this with my phone. Because at one point in the graduation on Friday, when they get their certificates, one lady got up and she gave a powerful testimony. And then she turned and looked at the policeman. The policeman from her village who had been chasing these ladies for years. They have a system on signaling each other when the police are coming. They hide their brew. They, they have this whole network to try and avoid it because they know they will get arrested or fined or have to pay a bribe. And the policeman came on that Friday because he wanted to see with his own eye, is this really true? One, that there's really these ladies here. Are these the brewers? And they were. Have they really changed? What does they have to say? And at the end of that, uh, towards the end of that graduation, one of the ladies stood up, gave her testimony, and she asked the policeman's forgiveness. Not only her, but all of the ladies did it together. Read the captions at the bottom because they're speaking uh, Swahili. Please forgive us. We will replace the trouble we've made with joy. We call it a 180 movement. Why? Because these people are going this direction and they're going, turning around 180 degrees to a whole new course in life. And it has been fantastic. You've been a part of it because of your prayers and your encouragement and your support. People um, like Elsa, who now is growing and farming her land instead of renting it to others, in addition to the farming, she also makes meat samosas, these little pastries. Both of these women came through our training. They now go to the brewing dens to sell these little meat pies and giving a testimony of the change in their lives. At our training center, teaching the, the women time management, how to do agriculture, growing great amounts of, of vegetables in small spaces. Here's Joshua and one of our directors making another bread oven using a 55-gallon steel drum. That becomes a business that these ladies can then do in the village. Firewood uh, fired, 
uh, fueled by firewood, scones, cakes, uh, bread. Very exciting. This is part of our demonstration farm right there at the training center, about five acres of of buildings and and facility, and then we have a training center uh, farm. On that farm, we have chaya, this big hedge. Uh, Chaya, you can Google that. It's twice the nutrition of spinach. You plant it one time, never again. You take the stem, you poke it in the ground, and in a year and a half, it's produced 40 other stems, and the leaves are fantastic for fighting nutrition. We teach them poultry. They choose the business they're going to do because they know what their interest is, but we expose them to all of these different ideas. In fact, if you use our strategy, starting with two chickens, if you don't have 150 chickens in a year and a half, it is not the chicken's fault. (laughs) It is yours because you did not follow the system that we have. Um, and so when we would explain this, people's eyes and their hearts just open in powerful ways, helping them understand beekeeping, giving them the Gospels of John when they leave the training, seeing the testimonies of changed lives. This guy, somebody asked, what about the men? The men are mostly considered themselves farmers. They take care of the plowing of the land, the planting of the corn, which happens around March and April. Then they do the weeding, which is about two months later. Then they do the harvesting. But in between all of those things, there is tremendous idle time where the men basically leave the home in the morning and say, I'm going to the center where they talk. And they also go to the brewing dens. This guy was a policeman, also an alcoholic, at one point. His name is Reagan. Reagan. They gave him that name because that's the time when Ronald Reagan was president and they said he looked like Reagan. <laughs> Ronald Reagan. So they, that's his name now, Reagan. But Reagan was an alcoholic. He was on his way to Uganda with a bit of money to buy a pistol because he was going to come back and kill his wife and his children when he was an alcoholic. But on his way to that trip, he stopped somewhere to get a drink. And, you know, one drink led to another until he spent more than half his money. He no longer had enough money to buy the pistol. Now he told somebody in his anger what his plan was going to be. And they said, buddy, you need help. Through some connections, he got involved in our alcohol rehab program. And he found Christ. And he reconciled with his wife. And he had the privilege of raising his children then. His eight-year-old, nine-year-old now know their father. They got to raise him through their teenage years as a Christian man. Just saw him. And this is our training center. These are the huts that you would stay in if you come on a short-term team. On the far distance is on the, with the blue window is our training hall. Holds about 130 people. On the right side is the dining hall. That's where we take all of our meals. And that dog is Charlie. I mentioned to you last time I was here about ideas that can help the poor. This is a grain sack that kills the weevils that normally destroy one-third of the people's crop. It kills the weevils in two days with no pesticide. Right now, the most everyone is mixing a poisonous powder in with their dried corn when they store it to try and kill these weevils. But even with the pesticide, these, these insects still destroy one-fourth to one-third of their grain. 
No longer. With this grain storage bag, it suffocates the weevil. Again, no pesticide within two days. And we've now sold 11,000 bags. And that represents the food that has been rescued, instead of being eaten by those bugs, is a half a ton of food. So we could try and raise $75,000 to buy that much food to distribute among the poor, or we could help them get a technology that will help them uh, save what they already have worked hard for. That is tens of thousands of dead insects. After two days, we, we put infested maize into a bag just to prove our point, and then we, we sealed it up, we came back two days later, and I took this picture uh, all the insects came to the edge looking for the last pockets of oxygen. In fact, if you get a magnifying glass, you look, they can see them pressed against the... <laughs> Open the... I'm just kidding. Listen, people are suffering because of lack of clean water. But God opened a door through a partnership with the church to get this drilling machine. So we've been able to drill a couple of wells in different suffering communities. Uh, and not only that, but we are now moving in a direction of not only having the machine, but also teaching teams how to drill their own wells using hand-powered equipment. So this is the next step of ELI. One of the villages this last summer that I was visiting together with Amy, we went to this village to see their new well and to celebrate with them. And while I was there, I asked them, hey, what did you, um, where did you used to get your water? So the guy walked me about a quarter mile away, and that's what this next video is. Just so you can see, before the borehole, where did they used to get their water? See this young boy collecting the water from the well, carrying it home. Thank God for the blessings we have, amen? And for what we're able to do to help other people just like this. It's, it's been a great journey. And I want to thank God that you're a part of this. God has also opened the doors so that we can help orphans. Next to our two training centers in Kenya, we've also built an orphanage. So we have two children's homes. This is Amy with some of the new children that we were able to bring into the home recently. Patrick, one of our, our boys, Alex, it's amazing to see how when they were little tiny kids when they came into the home, now they're becoming young adults, successful. In fact, this is nine of our first 25 children who have already graduated from high school now and have left our home. And so we are helping them now be able to go to polytechnic or college, some of them are are uh, getting partial scholarships to a university. A couple of these guys uh, ha helped us in our wood shop. At our training center, we got a wood shop. And so they have learned how to make these hardwood ink pens. So I, I would like to, to show you uh, briefly. This is Victor making one of the pens. Victor and Leonard. Leonard on the left wants to be an electrician. Victor is hoping to become a nurse. So here you can see the process. I, I just thank God for these guys and the new talents that they can learn. And um, we are also hoping and praying that these boys and girls will be able to move forward with their educations. 
At the table out there, you'll see some other, more of these different pins. And if you'd like, you can get involved with helping these, these young people move forward with their education. You can make a donation out there, and you can take one of these pins as a, as a gift of thanks uh, from these guys and the others who are moving forward in their education. So thank you for that. Some of you might want to sponsor one of our new kids, because as, as these older kids leave, we bring in new children. We've got just about 10 that we still need sponsors for, and you can see that information out there. Um, and I just want to bring this now to a, a close, reminding you that as lives are changed, they discover that they are God's workmanship. They're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Carol used to be a brewer. Now she's helping the pastor with a church planting program. These ladies, in addition to starting their own business, they decided to do a co-op project together. So 47 of the ladies tilled this acre of land by hand using a hoe. They raised the money and bought the potato seeds. They planted them. They raised them. They harvested them and sold them and shared the profit. So these ladies are not only reconciling with their husbands, now they're able to raise their children in a positive environment, be a part of a team or a community locally to co-op together. And this picture is absolutely amazing to me because this, these are the leaders of the different village groups. Because there's over nine, ten villages now that have come for training. Well, they have sent three to four women from each community to this meeting because they wanted to share stories and encourage each other, but they also have decided, if we can do this business as an individual, and we can do this as a co-op, what could we do if we were over 250 women together? So here's what they've decided. For the last about seven months, every woman sets aside 10 cents every day. They call it the 1010 program. And once a month, they collect all those funds, and they put them into the bank. And they have a five-year vision. They're going to be buying equipment for and building their own flour processing factory. I believe they're going to call the product Exodus Flour. We asked them, why one of the groups is called the Exodus Women Self-Help Group. Why do you call yourself Exodus? They said, because we were slaves in poverty. We were in bondage. But now we have God on our side. And now we have, are heading towards a new land. And even if it takes us 40 years in a desert, we will never go back. Praise God for what he's doing and who he is. If God has touched your heart in a way that you say, I want to be a part of helping more women get this training, we've got 500 women right now who are waiting for the chance to come for training because they've seen the change. Now they're saying, we want to come. We charge the ladies $10 so it's not free. They need to appreciate what it is that they're learning. We charge them $10, but it costs more than that to be able to uh, train them for that week. But it is worth it. And you can partner with us if you want. Uh, there's some, some material that you can uh, have off of our table. And also, in the back of this, this is our annual report, and I hope everybody got one. But the second to last page talks about the 180. So you can join us and help two women, four women, whatever your choice is, 
There's also flyers on the table uh, back there. If you would say, you know what, I want to help sponsor a child. I want to be a part directly of bringing um, change to these women. And friends, it's all for God's glory and honor. We are God's workmanship, created Christ Jesus. To what? To do good work that God has had in mind for us all along. Father, I want to thank you for this day that you've given to us, and I thank you for your word that is alive and bringing hope to lives, that is bringing change and transformation, not only in Africa, God, but we pray for revival in Garden Grove. Lord, we pray that you would open the doors for us to share with our neighbors and our community that we would recognize the amazing opportunities that you will open for us to share and to reflect your light right here. I thank you, God, for the way this church prays for us, partners, and encourages us. I thank you for these friends, Lord. Open our eyes that we can see the world the way you do and be moved into action. And we'll give you the praise, for then is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And all of God's people say... Amen. Be blessed.